Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. My name is Lisa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 27, 2021. Today is today we're reading from the big book and we're on page 33 in the chapter more about alcoholism. We'll be reading and commenting on the first paragraph that begins this case contains. Today's readers are and thank you so much for your service this month. Um, Sam S, Barb W, Pete B, Nancy P, Crystal P, newcomer greeter Reva P and Sandy W who's the host for the second hour. The reference, um, the share IDs for Tuesday, January 26, 2021, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 16,272. That's 16272. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 16,273. That's 16273. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sam F. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. Thank you for leading. This is Sam F., compulsive overeater in Rhode Island. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Sam S. And I'll now ask Barb W. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Barb W. from Naperville, Illinois, recovering overeater. Um, The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for having me serve this month. Thank you, Barb W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism, page 33, the first paragraph that begins, this case contains. And I'll now ask Pete B. to please begin reading. Thanks, Lisa. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. I'm in Pennsylvania. Thanks for your service and thanks for asking me to read. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remain sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. But here is a man who at 55 years found he was just where he had left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. 
commencing to drink after a long period of sobriety, we are in a short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. I appreciate this. This is a great paragraph. Great, I mean, great, uh, great paragraph. Great chapter. Great book. Right. Every one of them in here is my favorite. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but this, you know, I appreciate the, the discussion yesterday about the, about uh, the reading um, and about the the um, how the progressive nature of this condition. And you know, when I look back at my experience as it relates to this paragraph, I can't think to, I, I think about, you know, every diet, every meal plan, every strategy I ever came up with, I did under the promise that I would one day be able to return to using, you know, certain foods, certain ingredients, uh, and you'd be able to use them safely and moderately, right? It was going to be, it was going to be a period of, you know, you, you put them down, you don't use them, and then some would let you use them once a week or some would let you say, you know, restrict your calories and then assign points to these other things. But every one of them, and we have a whole entire industry and a society that's based on being able to one day, somehow, some way, safely use those ingredients. And there are, there are you know, I'm assuming millions of people that are able to 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 revisit that, and that's all fine and dandy. Those are those other people. The delusion that I am like those people has absolutely been smashed, and there's nothing wrong with those programs. They every single one of them work if implemented correctly. But what 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 this bring what this what brings to my what brings to my mind here is that for me. Armed with the facts about my condition and the fact and, and the experience that I've had, I have to come to the conclusion that I either have this disease or I don't. And once I once I acknowledge, right, once 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 the delusion that I am like those other people has been smashed, I could never ever revisit. I will never be able to revisit those substances. I'd actually indicate in here. I, I think you know this disease, eating or not. This disease, the components of this disease get worse regardless of if, if I'm eating. They just continue to get so I'm worse. In this instance, he's at 35. He's worse off at 55, because even in my experience, I found that the the the, the older I got, the more susceptible I have, the more the, the the more sensitive I was to those substances. You know, and I and I, I you know I'm a member of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, in my sobriety, I would never think about getting up in the middle of the night and just taking a little bit of liquor, right, just just one shot, you know, to get me through the night. Yet, you know, in my experiences in Over Years Anonymous, I would disregard the, you know, the, the slip. Oh, you know what? It was just something that I just needed. I could just use a little bit of it at some point in time, right? I had to be, I had to be, it had to be burned into my mind. Uh, from my experience, from my, from all of the using of that of the of those substances, that I could never, ever, 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 never will be able to tolerate in any quantity, in any shape, or in any form, the substances and the behaviors that cause the phenomena of craving. We hear a lot of analogies, and we hear about the, you know, once a, once a cucumber becomes a pickle, it's always a pickle. And those are cute, and those are fine, and those are helpful to help you understand. But what I have to be fully, fully aware of is that this condition 
is serious and significant, and I will never, ever be able to revisit those substances. And with that, I'll pass. I apologize for going over. <laughs> Thank you, Pete B. Thanks for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on Monday or Tuesday this week, if you'll please hold back. And I'm ready to take those who'd like to share on what was read. Melissa Katie G. Katie G. Katie Anna B. Melissa C. Melissa Teresa Barbara E. Shelly C.R. I will tell you who I got. Barbara E. Melissa B. Hang on, hang on. Okay, I gotta. I'm gonna have to pause for just a minute. Um, I got Katie G. And then someone B. Amanda. Amanda. Okay. No, hang on. Okay, well, I'm going to stop with this list, but I'll tell you what I have. I have Katie G, Amanda B, Melissa C, Teresa P, Shelly C R, Barbara E, Katie F, and Nancy P. So that is quite a list. And Katie G, please share with us. Good morning, Lisa. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater. You know, I think for me this paragraph really highlights, and if you're unmuted, please mute your phone, um, that um, the misunderstanding that I had around the disease, like I thought that the disease was me being fat. I thought... Sorry, Katie, we lost you. If if you're not Katie G, if you'll please mute your phone. And Katie, you want to start again? Oh, hello. Are you there? Hello. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please, okay, guys, I'm going to start from the top if that's okay. I, if it's not, I'm sorry. Um, all right, Katie, do you recover it in Boston? And um, what I was saying is that I think that this, this disease, this paragraph for me is about the misunderstanding of the disease. A lot of times I hear people say, oh, you're fat, and therefore I'm going to 12-step you. You know, I have to say my experience and my observation and my personal life is that being fat is not, a, is not, doesn't mean that I need to be an OA. Being my anorexia, my bulimia, my, um, my hypothalamic amenorrhea, and if you don't know what that is, that's okay. You still get a seat in Overeaters Anonymous. Why? Because this is a program where um, the fat and the thin and the medical issues, all of that, those are symptoms of a deeper underlying problem, right? It's not, um, as the previous speaker said, diets work, but they do not work for somebody like me. You know, and I have to um, say I had to do a 10-step last week because I couldn't, I was not feeling sober, considerate, and helpful because I had called someone and they said that someone had, had told them that they only had to put the food down for a little bit. And after 20 years, they could have it. And if that's your experience, guess what? I'm not taking your seat away. I'm not telling you you can't be here, but please don't sponsor me. Please don't sponsor me because I am a low bottom and I cannot ever use foods, ingredients, and behaviors. I've tried. Five and a half years ago, I was on this line, I was sharing, and I was exercising bulimically every single day. And what did that mean? I'd check into work, I'd leave work for two hours, and then get paid for it. And that led me right back to the food. And for me, my relapse was a step one issue. Why? Because, you know, a lot of times I hear people say, oh, I'm not living in 10, 11, and 12. Why? Because I'm not surrendered to step one. That's my experience. Because I will not accept that this program is not a diet, 
right? There, they, there's a difference between abstinence and a plan of eating. Abstinence, entire abstinence, which is the only thing the doctor has to suggest, is entire abstinence is a list of food ingredients and behaviors that, for me, that I've tried to control. And then my plan of eating is for someone I pay to say, okay, Katie, you know, you're 20 years old and you run marathons and this is how much you should eat. And that was a joke. But they're different, right? Like I don't, I don't get my solution from the dietitian. I need to get entirely abstinent. And again, the other thing about it is I'm never, ever no lurking notions and no lurking notions that I can manage my life again. This is not, we're not going to teach you how to manage your life. Right. This is proper use of the will, which is what I get to do by getting a relationship with God. And, if, you know, I have to tell you, the entire point of this program, my problem is lack of power, no power, no choice or no control. And my solution is God. And it is such a good life. I have a daily reprieve contingent on my entire abstinence and my working of this program in all my affairs. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie G. Sorry for that interruption early on. And Amber B., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Hi, thank you so much. This is Amanda B. from Toronto. Can you hear me? I can. Sorry, Amanda. Yes. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm hiding from my kids. That's part of my qualification line. Um, I look at this phrase, and it just reminds me of cunning, baffling, and powerful. Cunning means that it's just... It's it's really rough, baffling, confusing, and powerful. Like, I'm not going to remember that I have a disease. And as the years go on, my disease just gets smarter and smarter. And I'm no better later. And actually, my disease is actually smarter. It's done, like, a lot of really good exercises to try to find ways to tell, to tell me I don't have a disease. And somebody this morning asked me, how do I stop obsessing about blah, 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 food or weight or something? And I, for me, to be honest, I haven't stopped some of the time, but I'm not so surprised when it's there. And I don't give it a lot of attention. Um, I'm not one of those people who just, oh, it's gone. It's gone a lot of the time, but sometimes it comes back. And when it does, and I become surprised and scared and wrong, and that's when I get into that cunning, baffling, powerful and it tells me, this is not working, you might as well just go back. And, you know, sometimes when I'm reading through this, it gets really hard for me to remember that this is a progressive disease, and it's over time, and I have it. And there's no shame about having it. Because when as soon as I remember I have it, I have access to a power greater than myself. If I deny I have it, then I'm back into that shame spiral, and I'm scared. Um, but when I acknowledge that I have it and I'm not so surprised that it shows up or that I think about food at the weirdest times, then I'm actually free to see it for what it is. It's just a part of the addiction and the disease. The other piece that this reminds me of, because it doesn't say it, is that over time it gets worse and it could be um, harder, but it is a one-day-at-a-time program, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And when I keep my eyes on that, I can do anything for 24 hours. Um, and I can see how many people can help me for 24 hours and that God is there every 24 hours. So I try to remind myself when, when the big book talks about these long stretches of time, how I just have to do it in one small unit and that God will take care of me every single unit. Um, and anyway, so with, with that, I'll pass. I, I really love that passage. And thank you guys for being here every single day. No fail. 
Thank you, Amanda B. And Melissa C., you're up, followed by Teresa P. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Thank you so much for your service this morning, Lisa. Um, you know, when I, this paragraph, um, really, it's it's my story. I, I um, first came into Overeaters Anonymous. I was in my early 20s. I was morbidly obese, and I had some goals, and my weight was in the way of me achieving my goals. And I had a lifetime of having dieted. I had, you know, already at that age gone up and down and up and down. And I came into Overeaters Anonymous, and I got a food plan. That's really what I took. Um, And it worked. I did very little else um, other than follow that food plan. And, you know, the truth is it's pretty close to what I eat today. It removed all my, you know, alcoholic problematic foods. And with that food plan in hand, um, I got all the things, my goals (laughs) that I wanted um, as a result of losing, you know, losing weight. And um, so for me, it was like I got married, I got a job I liked, and I went on my honeymoon, and um, I was in a thin body, and I picked something up on my honeymoon, and I could mark the date, because the rest of the trip, I was like a different person, and what really was like baffling, powerful, you know, beyond my control was... um, I thought that the Monday I got home from my honeymoon, I would absolutely get right back on this plan that had fared me well for so many years at that point, and I couldn't. Like, I'm talking 20 years of couldn't. And so, you know, I met my husband. I was a thin bride, and within a couple of years, I I was morbidly obese again. And that was humiliating. And when I think about... um, you know, that's bad enough, but I, again, repeated that same behavior, um, you know, and picked up the same exact item, you know, years later, did it again. Um, and, and so what that tells me is I had a lurking notion, and I think about something that lurks. It's a stalker. You know, it's waiting right there. Um, It's in me, it's around me. I don't know if it's in my head, in my DNA, but it's right there. And that requires daily treatment on my part. If you think that you're just going to, you know, go plowing through the steps and go back to life as it was before, in my experience, you have it all wrong. You know, what I needed was a total transplant of my entire being. I needed a psychic change a relationship with a power much greater than myself, so that there are no lurking notions today. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Teresa P., you're up, followed by Shelly C.R. Hi, I'm Teresa P., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from California. And uh, once again, one of those great paragraphs in the big book, and they're just all wonderful. And and, uh, you know, I just get to, um, you know, it's just that lesson that, you know, the diet that never works, you know, and then I started out with my little dieting career as far back as I can remember. Uh, my first memory, one of almost first memory was, you know, being drawn to this food like a magnet that was in the refrigerator. The cake was there and it was like, ooh, I couldn't stay away. It was just like, duh, man, magnetic power. And then... 
there was the diet, you know, it's just hearing things like, oh, just have one. That's what my monitor says. She said, well, you know, I'd keep these uh, box of chocolates in my drawer and just every, or maybe one a day or maybe not, just have a bite, you know. And <laughs> I have never been able to do that, though I tried for, you know, 40 years or so, unsuccessfully, because I always gained more weight and got all the way up to 253 and dying from this disease and hating myself and wanting to be dead. And, you know, when I got to Overeaters Anonymous, you know, I learned that I had a disease and I was so grateful. I didn't learn the nature of the disease. I didn't hear about allergy to body and obsession of mind, but I did hear that, you know, there were things I couldn't eat. And the first plan I got was three meals a day and no chocolate, no sugar. And I had the happy, sad one. I was so grateful that you guys were going to let me eat three times a day. And then there was the sad, you know, oh, gee, man, I got to give up the sugar and the chocolate. But how can I do that? I've tried that for, well, no, I've tried to control it for years, but never have another one. But I was so desperate, I was willing to try. And so I did what I could and, you know, and that took care of the first, gave that first hundred pounds to God. And that was great and got a, got a wonderful life. And, you know, more got revealed. I found other foods that I couldn't eat and just got to turn that over. And, um, you know, and it's just been a a journey. It's been a journey uh, that I've got to take with God. And I finally did get into vision, which has been absolutely great. And uh, ended up giving up, letting go of an oak. Giving God because you know I can't give them up. I have to give them to God, and I nothing I give up, you know, willingly. It's all you know, scratch marks all over, whining and crying and anger at God. Do you got to have another one? You know, and you know God has, um, you know, God has kept them and blessed me with replacement foods, foods that are better, and now enjoying, you know, vegetables and variety of vegetables that I thought I couldn't eat, and uh, but just just a few, well, no, more. I don't have to have a bunch, but I have, you know, I have enough. I have enough. And there it is. I have enough. And it all goes back to, you know, it's a daily reprieve. It's only daily. It's just like if I'm diabetic, I've got to take the insulin every day. Or I get sick. Well, I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you. I heard that. And I need my daily dose of recovery and, you know, my 10, 11, 12, and whatever else it needs. But mostly I need my connection with God. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Teresa P. And Shelly C.R., you're up, followed by Barbara E. Good morning. This is Shelly C.R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in northern Minnesota. Um, And I'm just so grateful to be able to be here and to – I'm not necessarily able to make the meetings every day, um, but – you know, I think about I need to hear my higher power puts in my line what I need to hear, um, and that remains true today as well. And and so, hearing about this paragraph and then kind of going through, you know, the example of what happened to this gentleman um, after putting down the alcohol for 25 years, um, it's like I need those reminders. So when I came into program. You know, it was very focused on food and very focused on um, me, like, wanting to do things a certain way, but, like, thinking of it as a diet, not really understanding how it was different than a diet and how, you know, this book is a textbook that gives me a new way of living. 
And so um, I am coming up today, well, tomorrow. So today I wake up an addict, and when I do the footwork on a daily basis, I get the gift of the daily reprieve from the obsession from food. And so by the grace of my higher power, um, and when I make it through today and wake up tomorrow, I'll have one year of entire abstinence. And what a blessing it is. And the reminder that within this paragraph for me, that once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, like I, that I, I need to have no reservation of any kind. Like I'm not immune, nor will I be immune to any of these foods that I needed to put down. And the 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 gift of going through, you know, attending this meeting, attending other meetings um, that study the big book, those constant reminders, and hearing the shares from people who have had the experiences where they have picked up. You know, I know through my own experience and through the experiences as they're related to me in this book, I hear about, you know, it, this is the dual piece, right? I have the physical allergy, but there's the mental twist that, like, I take that first compulsive bite and I've had a couple of relapses in the past. And so that experience of having those relapses, that's the mental twist coming up, like the disease working itself. And when I turn things over to my higher power, when I do the footwork, when I do the things that I'm supposed to do within this program, and I say supposed to in the sense that they, they have been gifts that have been given to me, um, I have a whole different way of living and it is such a joyous place to be and things still happen in life difficulties still happen like things come up um and i can move through them i can feel them i can be present in the moment and i don't need to push things away with food and i'm so so grateful and i'm going to continue to need these constant reminders because again my disease can come up at any point in time and try to you know, rationalize or justify certain things. Um, but within this program, I know that, you know, as long as I stay connected to my higher power and turn things over to my higher power, I get the promises of what has been stated in the big book as well. And uh, just really grateful to be here today. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Shelly CR. And uh, Barbara E., you're up, followed by KDF. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Well, for me, most wisdom is plagiarized and stupidity is original. So if anything I say makes sense, it's probably been plagiarized. And if it doesn't, it's probably just me being stupid. But I will tell you the truth. I was stupid for over 50 years, thinking I could do it on my own. And I couldn't. Before I got to OA, stupidity and, and insanity were my constant companions. Yes, I lost the weight. And then I thought my year of abstinence meant I was ready to tr go out and do it on my own. One slice of this, one pint of that, it couldn't hurt me. I, but I couldn't stop. There I was again, delusional. Ah. Uh, what was I thinking? Hopeless, frightened, selfish, lacking in consideration for others, wanting you to follow my script? I could not stop. But of course, I wouldn't have gained and lost over 100 pounds all those times 
if I hadn't come into OA. When I did, I was truly desperate. I'd surrendered to the fact that I would always be fat, unhappy, and, and certainly dying inside and out. And now in, in 2021, thank God it's 2021, I've changed a lot. Besides losing the weight and keeping it off, there's still a lot of improvement for me to make. Realize that by accepting honest criticism, I may have a value, you may have valuable suggestions for me. And I finally learned that self-pity for me is futile and childish for me. And I now pray and listen and find that I might have made some wrong assumptions. I share responsibility for my own life. My current circumstances are still the result of the decisions I've made. When something goes wrong, I don't rush in now and blame you and go to the food. No, I'm not perfect, but I am recovered, not cured, from my compulsion to kill myself with a knife and a fork and a spoon. But now I know I have to work constantly on my defects and know that today I have to work harder than yesterday and even harder tomorrow. I do realize that things will always go wrong, like trying to find a vaccine. And while I may be a little bit upset, I realize I'm allowed to express my feelings and identify the actions I can take to move on. So I'm not quite as disturbed. Thank you so much. This is a beautiful program, and I'm so glad to be with you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. And KDF, before you share, I just want to remind everyone that we are in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 33, reading and commenting on the first paragraph that begins, this case contains. So KDF, you're up, followed by Nancy P. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for taking the meeting. I'm KDF, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And this um, case contains a powerful lesson. And you know, so many times we're talking to the newcomer, we're trying to beg the newcomer to, to, to find this way of life. But, you know, this is, this is a warning for all of us who have been uh, sober, abstinent for any length of time, whether it's been a month, a year, a decade, or in my case, over three decades. You know, am I becoming restless, irritable, and discontent? Am I too busy to work this program? Am I, you know, lingering at the buffet and looking at those foods with longing in my eyes and thinking, oh, I just wish I could just have one. You know, those are, those are very dangerous things. And if someone had told me when I came in, um, you know, that I was going to still be doing this work, you know, 33 years later, I would have thought they were crazy. So there's no point in trying to convince someone um, who's just coming in these rooms or just putting down for the first time that they're going to love this program forever because it doesn't matter. What matters is what I'm doing today. Am I still happy to talk to a newcomer? Am I still sponsoring people? Am I still, you know, reading the big book and trying to learn? Am I still, um, you know, connecting with my higher power? Because I am once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I am never going to graduate from this program. And that 
can seem so daunting, but the good news is, is I'm happy to not have graduated. I'm grateful to have a sponsor that I can call every day. I'm grateful that I have sponsees who call me every day and that we are trudging this road together, that we're not, I'm not just thrown back out there and expected to blend in and be, you know, a, a, a peg in a, you know, a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. I don't have to try to be like other people. And I don't have to try to be neutral and just eat whatever I want and hope that I'll be able to stop. That's not expected. That's not the goal. You know, that may be the goal for weight loss programs that, you know, you get to your goal weight. Now you can eat whatever you weigh, you know, you do this, you do that. And, um, you know, hope that you stay recovered, but it, it, that just doesn't work for me. I can't introduce any foods back into my body that um, I know are alcoholic for me. And the good news is, is I'm not jonesing for them. I'm not wishing that I could, because if I do start to have that kind of thinking, that's a step one issue. And I need to work harder at this program. And God meets me where I am every time. It gives me, you know, I keep being given opportunities to grow and not opportunities to share and be a superstar, but to grow. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. And Nancy P., you're up. Hi, good morning. This is Nancy P. Um, in West Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you for letting me share. So the powerful lesson is that my mental obsession is by far the more dangerous of the two between my physical allergy and my mental obsession, way more dangerous. I've been in OA since 1971 and this month I um, had my 50th anniversary and out of that time I've had three years of living as a recovered woman and for the previous 47 years I spent all the time tethered to the food whether I was chewing or not I didn't I did all the pain ways and diets and exercise but I did more of that after I got into OA I mean I was only a kid when I came in like a young kid you know and and for for that time until 2017, it was always eat this, not that, eat that, not this, more meetings, fewer meetings, different meetings, eat sugar, don't eat sugar, weigh and measure, don't weigh and measure. And my own perennial favorite was getting a, another sponsor in addition to my wonderful sponsor that I had, but nothing worked. And, you know, I planned on stopping eating. Like it says, if we are planning to stop drinking, I planned on stopping eating, but my plan was a dumb plan because it was always just to lose weight, buy a bunch of clothes so that the outside wrapping would look the same as everybody else. And it never worked because I ignored the part that says that there can be no reservations or lurking notions. And I love that word lurking. As someone else had said, it's something that waits in hiding to do harm. And, you know, when I meet a friend, for something, coffee or lunch or a walk or something. I don't lurk. I wave and say, hey, here I am over here. You know, I don't, I don't lurk. And I had, you know, no chance. And willingness was useless. And I wished and I wished and I wished and I wished. I wanted it so badly. And what I really wanted was to eat and be thin. No other change is necessary. I didn't conceive of that. I couldn't, I figured everything had to change, but I couldn't even imagine what that looked like because I, I was trapped. And it was sort of like the old nursery rhyme that says, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. And wishing and willingness were equally effective. Nothing. I got nothing. Half measures availed me nothing. Three-quarter measures availed me nothing. Gave me nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I had to be 100% desperate to even step up to the plate and pick up the bat. Like my glasses, I wear them all the time if I'm awake, and I wear them except in the shower. You know, I only got there by the one thing that saved me after all my pain, which is surrender, surrender, 
surrender. I cannot say, it cannot be overstated. You know, my life is unmanageable. I'm powerless. I'm, you know, I don't manage my life anymore at all. I just sort of live it in whatever's put in front of me. I just, I'm like a lawnmower. I chew up whatever's in front of me. I live my life however it comes out because surrender, surrender, surrender. And today my life is an embarrassment of riches. I have so much. I'm so blessed and grateful and lucky. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy P. And um, just to let everybody know again, we are, um, we've read the first chapter on page 33, and we're commenting on that paragraph that begins, this case contains. So who else would like to share this? Leia F. Trisha C. Carmela G. Trisha C. Carmela G. Yvette L. Yvette L. Kim G. Kim G. Y'all are so good to me. Um, I think I heard on M. That may that's let's let's just go with that list. Hopefully we'll get to everyone. I have Leah F, Trisha C, Carmela G, Yvette L, Kim G, and and on M. So Leah F, please share with us. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah S. I'm recovered and I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Um, This case contains a powerful lesson. How much should I shout the word powerful, powerful? What a lesson. I came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1981 and I lost 75 pounds and I weighed 124 pounds and prancing around to meetings and stuff and showing off. And I left OA at yeah, on in 1985, and I came back at the end of 2012, and I was yo-yoing and living through hell. What is my life? What does it mean living? I didn't really understand what living really means. Um, I thought it was all about the food, giving up those chocolates and 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 the ice cream. My God, this is absolutely nothing. Those were all cover-ups. And, and you know, the, the people around me, they, they played it all up. And they still do. Food, food, food to cover everything else about what is going on. And I could never have imagined. But you can't imagine unless you go through these 12 steps, unless you really don't stop at three the way I did it, one, two, three, and you continue with four, and you go ahead with the step nine. Go ahead and do it. Whatever way you do it, you're going to get through it. And in step 10, you're going to keep on perfecting it, and it's going to be fine. You can't imagine the dis- different life that I have today that, that is um, so full of, of miracles in this day and age. Yes, in this day and age. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Leah S. And Tricia C., you're up, followed by Carmela G. Hi, thank you for your service. This is Tricia C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New Hampshire. 
you know, I think about this as everyone's been talking about the no reservation of any kind, no lurking notion. Uh, well, as we know, it's a mental twist, right? We have this greater part of our disease that's in our mind. And why is this really bad news for me? It's because every single thought, every single, um, yeah, every thought that I have in my life has to go through my mind. So what am I saying? I'm saying I can't trust my mind when it comes to this disease. Okay, that's pretty scary. If I can't trust my mind, who can I trust? Well, before I have a relationship with my higher power, I have to trust my sponsor. I had to trust my nutritionist. I had to turn it all over because I cannot make a decision about food. No lurking notion that I'm going to be able to make decisions about food. I have to turn it over. So what does that mean? I had to try something new, right? If I want to get something different, I have to try something different. So yes, I had to weigh and measure and I still do. Yes, I turn my food over every morning to my sponsor. And guess what? As she says, I'm a grown woman who has to send my food to another grown woman and I don't make changes to that food. And if I make changes to the food, then I'm taking back my will. Of course, unless it's spoiled or something. And then I let her know, though. So this is me, a grown woman, surrendering something as basic as food to another woman. And um, the reason this is huge for me is because what I'm saying is, I trust you, God. I trust you, sponsor. And I don't trust my mind when it comes to food because I have a disease. This is not a little thing. A disease is a disease. It's an illness. And I'm never going to be cured. Recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body? Yes. I am a healthy weight and I'm no longer telling my husband that I need to be possibly committed to a mental institution because I had so much anxiety I couldn't breathe. Yes. Am I recovered? Absolutely. I'm living a life today of a person who is not enslaved to food. I can't serve two masters. Every time I turn to the food, my, my back literally is turned on God. So if I choose me or if I choose the food, I am not choosing God. And today I choose to turn my face to the sunlight of the spirit. I choose to turn to God and I turn my back on the food. I'm not chasing ease and comfort anymore in the food because the minute I chase ease and comfort in the food, I cannot get anything from God. So do I want strength, inspiration, and direction from God? Or do I want to chase ease and comfort in something as fleeting as chocolate, which will last me six seconds if I'm lucky, and then will drive me into the pit of hell of anxiety and depression? No, thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Tricia C. And Carmela G., you're up, followed by Yvette L. Thank you so much. Thank you all for being on the line this morning and making this meeting possible. My name is Carmela G., and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater from Recovered in New York. And um, this paragraph, now it's been eight years that I've been in this <coughs> this book, And this paragraph today hit me. Excuse me. (coughs) It hit me for the first time to say that food was in disease my solution. 
if I have a lurking notion that I could eat and make food my solution again, then I am truly still a very sick woman. But in recovery, working through the steps, I've realized that God interrupted my death, and I'm stealing that line from someone in AA, and provided this design for living, which is my new solution. Working these steps, living in these steps, is my new solution. So therefore, I today, as a recovered compulsive overeater, know that food has one purpose, to nourish my body. And if I go back to using it as a solution to my life and to all of the things in my life and people and relationships, then I will be in the hole deeper than ever before. And I must smash that notion and realize that I have one solution, and that is to trust and surrender to my higher power and live connected every day in the sunlight of the spirit by using the steps and working the steps every single day. And then I have peace and serenity and joy. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carmela G. And Yvette L., you're up, followed by Kim G. Uh, Good morning. My name is Yvette L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Britain, Connecticut. Um, And I love, well, I love the big book. um, But uh, the word that uh, really kind of sticks out for me um, is um, at the, it's the last sentence, if. um, That's the pivotal word for me. Um, If I am planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind or any lurking notion that someday I will be immune to food. Um, Because if I am not planning to stop drinking, um, you know, there's always going to be some reason, some excuse where it's going to seem reasonable uh, to eat compulsively. But if I, you know, plan uh, to stop uh, compulsively eating, uh, when I surrendered, um, you know, I fully surrendered. Um, and you know, there was, there is no lurking notion. Um, there is no situation, no circumstance. It's not about circumstances. Um, but I'm, you know, I, when I surrendered, I, um, accepted that I was done that every single thing that I had been trying to do, um, because, you know, it was all about me trying to do, um, it wasn't working. Um, so when I surrendered to the fact that, you know, what I was doing wasn't working, um, and, you know, accepted, uh, what this program offers, um, it only took me about two decades to really, uh, surrender. Um, but I did finally, gratefully, and, uh, you know, followed the, the instructions. Um, and I've had a very different experience as, as a result, um, there is no circumstance, um, you know, that seems reasonable to me, you know, my higher power, um, has restored me to sanity um, because I know, um, you know, in my gut that um, there isn't anything I can't um, walk through, um, you know, with with my higher power. 
Um, you know, a lot of support um, is necessary. I can't do this on my own, and I'm no longer trying to do it on my own. Um, I accept help. I ask for help when I need it. Um, I set boundaries when I need to, and I get to live a very different life, um, which means that, um, you know, it's not always, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Um, You know, my dad died recently, and, uh, you know, the morning after I found out that he died, what did I do when I got up in the morning? The same thing I had done the day before, you know, spend time with my higher power. Um, working on maintaining that connection because, you know, I get a daily reprieve um, and it doesn't matter what the day is. Um, You know, I get a daily reprieve, which means there's work I have to do every day. And I'm so grateful to, um, you know, be in this fellowship and uh, to be walking this, this road of recovery. Uh, So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Yvette L. And Kim G, you'll be our last share today on M. I hope you'll Day on for the second hour to share. Kim G, please share with us. Thanks so much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. What a powerful line. You know, if we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. And that really leaves no wiggle room, you know. <laughs> you know, I think to myself, um, you know, this, the book is so, so clear. But often the fellowship is really confusing. So I was reflecting on stuff. I've been in, the, in OA since the 90s. And I heard this stuff in the 90s when I came in. And I've heard this stuff currently in the rooms. You know, I, I have imperfect abstinence. Um, my food is sloppy. Uh, you know, it's a behavior only. I mean, can you imagine being in an AA meeting and them saying, oh, my problem isn't that I drink, my problem is that I get drunk, which is what I hear when I hear behavior only. You know, um, when I'm through the steps, you know, God's going to teach me or allow me to moderate these foods. You know, this step one is the death of the food. There's no wiggle room here. You know, I think about a, someone I worked with many years ago who came from AA and NA and her first OA meeting she came into, there was a woman leading the meeting. She was morbidly obese, was saying she was in OA for 20 years, and she had two weeks of abstinence, and everybody was clapping. And she was very confused. And at the end of the meeting, the woman came up to her and said, oh, honey, this is Overeaters Anonymous. Sometimes the best we can do is get two weeks. I mean, how sad is that? How sad is that's the message in the fellowship sometimes? You know, I'm not in AA, but I attend AA meetings. And I wonder myself, what would happen in an AA meeting if someone said, you know, I had a cocktail, um, but I'm back on track and just had a slip. So I'm not considering that a break in my sobriety or, or someone is sponsoring or leading a workshop saying, you know, well, I can make exceptions on a holiday and that's fine now. Or what if someone said, well, I found that beer was, was an issue in the beginning, but now that I'm through the steps, it's okay. I mean, that person would be pulled out of a meeting to be talked to at AA. Yet that's something I often hear in OA. So, you know, I, I think of this line, it's so important for us to internalize it. It's part of the fully conceding. Because, you know, Overeaters Anonymous isn't about one day at a time white-knuckling our food. Overeaters Anonymous is about the 12 steps that promises us at the end of the 12 steps we will no longer want our food. You know, for many years... When I worked the fellowship as a program, as opposed to the steps, I had six years of back-to-back, white-knuckled, painful abstinence. But 10 years ago, I conceded that I had no lurking notions or no reservations. I worked through these steps, and I have now had 
10 years of contented abstinence. And that is available to everyone on this line. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And thank you to everyone who shared with us this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, January 27th, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 16,279. That's 16279. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Nancy P., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yep. One second here, 164. Um, Hi, this is Nancy P. again. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your faults. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 